Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. just feel really compelled today to exhort from my heart and just share uh, a few things from the word. Um, I don't want to take too terribly long. I know that's like the famous last words of preachers, but, uh, but it's true. I, um, I tried really hard to put into a sermon the things that the Lord has put in my heart today. Uh, and this week, and, and 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 possibly even in the coming weeks, uh, we may stay camped on this for a little while. I don't know. Um, but uh, but you, if you've listened to me preach and teach, you know I'm pretty structured. I have a pretty you know consistent routine that I that I like to to utilize when preparing messages and stuff. And uh, as I tried to do that for this morning, and I tried to categorize and put you know, line upon line, the things that I wanted to say, I just couldn't. Uh, And I just felt very much like I wanted to exhort you from my heart today. Um, And so I have a couple verses that we're going to look at. And uh, and I'm just trusting the Lord uh, that he's going to help to speak the things that he wants to say today. Uh, And so I would ask you guys to do the same thing. Would you you trust the Lord with me this morning uh, for everything that you need to hear? How many of you know you need to hear something from God today? Amen. We all do. Nobody is exempt from that. We say this all the time. One word from God can change your life. Well, what, what would a lifetime of words from God do uh, for, for each and every one of us? So I just want to exhort and share a, a few things today. I, I would invite you to turn to two passages of Scripture. The first one is in Psalm chapter 91. And the second one is John chapter 15. Um, Psalm 91 and John chapter 15. It's not often that I preach without notes, but I like it so much that I may do it more. (laughs) I think it's important to be prepared and to have notes and all that kind of stuff, but also I think it's really important to just hear from God sometimes and just share what he says. Amen. Um, Psalm 91 and John 15. These will be somewhat familiar scriptures to most of you, especially if you grew up in church. Psalm 91, I'll read the first two verses. says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. If you go on and read the rest of Psalm 91, you find out it's it's the psalm of protection. It's the psalm that promises 
God's hand being upon us and, uh, and him covering over us and protecting us. Um, but these first two verses, and particularly the first verse, is so important uh, where he says very simply that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I want to talk to you today, and like I said, perhaps in the weeks to come, about abiding in God. Abiding in God. There's so many different things that 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 touch that that subject touches on, and we'll just see what where we go with it. Is that okay with you? Abiding in God. Uh, let me read to you a couple other Psalms. You don't have to turn there. Just I'll read them to you. Psalm 27, verse five. So powerful. He says, "For in the time of trouble." He, that's God, shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me, and he shall set me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above all my enemies around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. Let me of you know there's power in abiding in God's presence. Uh, Psalm 31 verse 20 says this, you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. You shall keep them securely and secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. And then Psalm 32 7 says, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, I ask that you would speak to us this morning from your word and that God, you would cause our hearts to burn today for you in a way that they maybe have never burned before. Father, I pray that as we as we look into this subject this morning of abiding in, in you and with you, or that as we look to that, that you would stir up and kindle something on the inside of our hearts that, that creates a dissatisfaction for the things of the world, that you would kindle on the inside of us some kind of passion that we have never known that would draw us deeper into your plan and purpose for our lives, deeper into relationship with you than we have ever gone before. Lord, let this become the cry of our heart that we would know you more and that we would abide with you in your presence. We give you the praise for these things and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us. Make this word come alive to us today. God, I'm asking that you would transform our hearts and our minds this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, if you believe it, say amen. Amen. Um, I'm, I'm going to, you can flip over to John 15. We're going to read that. And then I'll just make some comments and talk and see what the Holy Spirit has to say. What do you think about that? Is that good? Um, this idea of abiding in God. You know, I've, I've been thinking a lot over the past couple weeks about, about different topics like prayer and like fasting and consecration 
about sanctifying, sanctification, about devotion. I've been thinking about all these things, and, and, and I'm, I find myself going, okay, Lord, what, what do you want to say to me and to our church about these things? And I think they all kind of come under this umbrella of abiding in God. And when we say abiding, let me go ahead just real quick and define what we mean by that. What do I mean when I talk about abiding in God or abiding with God? Uh, You know, depending on your history in church and your history with the Lord, the idea of abiding may mean something different to everyone. I think if I probably went through this room and asked, what does it mean to abide in God? I'd probably get 60 different answers. I think when we talk about abiding in God, we're not talking necessarily about putting on really soft piano music and sitting in our pajamas in a dark room waiting to feel the presence of the Lord for nine hours. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's what I mean when I talk about abiding in God. I mean the idea of God and his word and his presence becoming the dominating influence in our lives. What does it mean to abide with God? It means that I have such connection with the Lord that his word, his presence, his voice, his plan, his purpose, his desires become the dominating influence in my life. I think we live in a world that is constantly competing for influence over our attention. We live in a world, and and folks, let me tell you, that's never going to change. If anything, it will only increase and get more intense. The world always has and always will compete for your attention, and it will always compete for domination of your thoughts, of your actions, of your mind, of your desires, of of the things you value. The spirit of this age works overtime to hijack our values. I'm so proud and so blessed this morning to see a church full of people because it's stinking New Year's Day. (laughs) That tells me something about what you value. And as your pastor, I'm very pleased and very proud of that. Um, Brianne stole my moment to ask who stayed up until midnight and who didn't because I'm in the didn't crowd. And how many of you, how many of you are in the didn't crowd? Yeah, that's awesome. Amen. How many of you prefer not to say? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I just, there's just no way. My daughter Claire stayed up until one o'clock and Abigail came in our room at one o'clock and she goes, Claire's still awake. So how do you know? She, the lights are flashing in her room. 
She, she got new LED lights for her room for Christmas, and apparently they were going haywire at one in the morning. So my wife was smarter than me, and she texted Claire and said, hey, go to bed. I was about to get up, and I'm so glad that I didn't. So I went right back to sleep. But No, the, um, the fact that we're all here together this morning shows that we have some kind of value for God and for his presence. And the world works overtime to hijack that value. The world works overtime to hijack what you find valuable. And if, if he can, the enemy will lie to us and lie us into a place where we just don't have value for the things of God. But I'm here to tell you that your life will never be complete until you are found abiding in the goodness, in the will, in the presence, in the word of God. So David says some things in Psalm 91 he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's a verse that I heard just hundreds, maybe thousands of times as a kid. It's one of those ones that my mom would write on a three-by-five card and stick it to the mirror of the bathroom or stick it to the fridge or stick it or, or put it in your doggone lunchbox because that's what you wanted to see when you opened your lunchbox in fourth grade. My, yeah, I'm traumatized from it, yeah. <laughs> All the other kids are rolling up their lunch boxes, and it, they got Fruit Loops and Gushers, and, and I got raw broccoli and, you know, a turkey sandwich and a note with a scripture on it. So it's like, okay, <laughs> who's the weirdo at this table? Okay. My sister and I were actually joking about that and talking about that over Christmas. And we said, you know what? At this point in life, we're actually kind of thankful for the turkey sandwich now and the raw broccoli. It's like, yeah, that sounds better than French fries. <laughs> my, my wife disagrees. That's right. My wife, she, she got Fruit Loops and Gushers and candy and fruit by the foot and all that can, cans of soda and all kinds of stuff as a kid. Amen. Just, we just meet in the middle. That's right. Um, but this Psalm 91, this is a verse that I just heard so frequently growing up. And if, if you're like me, when you hear things so many times and so frequently, if you're not careful, you can just begin to get careless about those things. Like, oh, I know what the Bible says. Oh, I know what Psalm 91 says. I've heard that verse before. I've heard that idea before. Oh, yeah, I understand. But how many of you know that God's word is infinite and you'll never get all of it? Amen. You'll never get all of it. Even eternity isn't long enough for us to get everything that God has said in his word. And so uh, I just invite us to look into these thoughts this morning with some fresh perspective. He who dwells, not he who visits. He who dwells. I had this thought when I was driving in this morning that... I, I've created in my life, I can go back and look in journals and, 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 and look back over times when I wrote things down uh, that were just testimonies of the faithfulness of God. I can, I can go back and look in journals and go, oh, I remember this day when God did this in my life. And I remember, oh, this time when God did this in my life. 
And oh, I remember my first missions trip and how powerful it was when God did this, that, and the other. And, I, and, and it's so good to do that. It's so good to write down your testimonies and the things that God does in your life. It's so powerful. But I had this thought when I was driving in, so many times our, we allow our relationship with God to just be contained in those moments that are sporadic through our lives. We, we, we gauge our relationship with the Lord by the times that he visited us. And, and, and what's dangerous about that is that if we're not careful, that becomes the thing we focus on, whatever God did in our life in a moment. Oh man, I just remember that night at that prayer meeting when God showed up and he marked my life. It was 1998. What a great day. And if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll try to go recreate that. And I'm, I'm not at all suggesting that we shouldn't celebrate the moments throughout our lifetime when God intervened. But what would it look like for our life to have those moments in perpetuity, consistent? Oh man, do you remember? Do you remember in the 80s when God met us? How about, do you remember this morning when God spoke? Or what about, what about, you know, instead of just thinking about the, the big thing that God did in your life and how it was such a defining moment, what if it was like, no, I heard from God today at lunch. Or, or you know, we say this all the time, one word from God can change your life. And it absolutely can. What would happen if it went from one word from God changing your life 10 years ago to God speaks to me every day? I'm here to tell you that you can have that. You can have that. You can have the Lord speak to you about your marriage, about your parenting. You can have the Lord speak to you about relationships. God can give you divine insight and wisdom into your business. The Lord can tell you exactly what to do. I mean, we have, we have scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture, promise after promise of the Lord saying things like, call to me and I will show you great and mighty things that you don't know. You'll hear a voice behind you saying, go this way, don't go that way. There are scores and scores of scriptures that talk to us about the promises that God makes to us. As we take his invitation for intimacy and for dwelling in his presence. Let's read John chapter 15. Y'all follow me this morning? I know this is a little different. I'm just shooting from the heart today. John 15. Oh, this is so good. John 15. We'll read a handful of verses, see where we go. I like not having a safety net. This is fun. John 15, 1 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Are y'all sensing a theme? 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. At the beginning of a new year, I can hardly think of anything more fitting to talk about than building a perpetual life of abiding in God. I have to resist it every year. The temptation to do like so many other people do and go, this is the year for X, Y, Z. This is the year for our breakthrough. This is the year for when I get everything I want. Because normally that's what it spirals down into. It's just this is the year for me to, for me to have everything that I want. And then we put some nice churchy scriptural language around it. And listen, I'm not, if you've heard those kinds of things, that's great. Receive it. All the promises of God are in Christ. Yes and amen. That's awesome. But I'd much rather stand up to you this morning and say, how about 2023 becomes the year of everybody falling in deeper love with Jesus? What if that is the emphasis for our New Year's Day message? That we all abide with him, in him, because without him, we can do nothing. You don't even have a right to exist without Jesus. It's a bold, absolute statement. Think about this. Without the Lord, we don't even have a cause for existence. You didn't, did you make yourself? Anybody in here create yourself? Nope. I'm a self-made man. Bull butter. <laughs> Nobody can take credit for themselves. Nobody, you can't, you can't take the credit for the breath in your body. How dare we try to live without him? Man. I'm the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Let's, let's talk for just a few minutes about a few of these verses. Y'all doing okay? Is this too heavy? Y'all tell is this too heavy? Okay, good. All right. Listen, this is very encouraging passage. This is as encouraging as it is challenging, okay? I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. The fact that Jesus says that he is the true vine is proof that there are false vines. What are you growing on? <laughs> what, what are you feeding on? The true vine or something else? Are you clinging to Jesus because he's your source? Or are you clinging to some other vine hoping to get some nutrients from it? Because see, Jesus, what he does in this passage is he's talking like a winemaker. He's talking like a winemaker. He says, I'm the true vine. Y'all ever see grapevines? 
They're all trellised up, and there's one vine that comes out of, if you go look at grapevines, there's individual grape plants. Now, they grow, and they, the way they grow, they all look like they're one big thing, but they're not. They're individual plants. They're individual vines. And each one comes up out of the soil just like any other plant. And there's only one of them, and it comes up out of the ground. And Jesus says, that's me. I'm the true vine. Beware of false vines. Beware of something else that claims to provide the things you need, that claims to provide the nutrition that you need, that claims to provide the substance and the sustenance that you need. There's only one true vine, friends. There's only one source that's going to feed you for eternity. His name is Jesus. He says, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. He goes on later to tell us we're the branches. And God the Father is the winemaker. God the Father is the one who loves the vine. Who loves the branches. Who loves the soil. Who loves the fruit. And who loves the wine that he makes from the fruit. I, uh, one of my favorite documentaries, this is going to give away some stuff about me, but that's okay. I'm so bougie, y'all. I love documentaries. And one of my all-time favorite documentaries is a documentary called A Year in Burgundy. And it's a, it's a documentary that follows several winemakers in, Burgundy, in the Burgundy region of France. Y'all would think it's the most boring thing ever. I love it. And it, it follows these winemakers through all four seasons and shows exactly what they do to produce a harvest of wine. Can I tell you that the people that make wine love their product? <laughs> what I mean by that is they're incredibly invested in what they produce. The first thing that you have to know about what Jesus is saying here is that he's the vine, he's the source of life, and that his father is incredibly obsessed with what comes out of the vine, with the fruit of his love, your life. Your father is incredibly, he is obsessed with the vine and the branches and the grapes and the produce that it creates. If you ever wanted to know whether you mattered to God, understand how much a vine maker, a vine dresser loves his grapes. Understand if you ever wondered whether or not you were valuable to the, to the, to the father, know that you are because he's a vine dresser. He's the farmer. He's the one who absolutely puts his own desires on the shelf to make sure that the vine has everything it needs to produce. In, the, in that, that documentary, The Year in Burgundy, the, the, during the summer, they're talking about how the summer uh, was a long one and how the rains came late. And they were real concerned about when the rains came late because if they come too late, they turn to hail. And if they hail down on the vines, they're going to lose all the fruit. And so the, the winemakers are stressing over this in this documentary. 
And they're like, we're waiting for just the right moment when the temperature hits a certain, you know, certain degrees, then we're going to all go out and pick the grapes as fast as we can and get them in so that we can make the wine. It's such a great documentary. But can I tell you that the winemaker is obsessed with the harvest to the degree that when the temperature hits the right temperature, even if it's four o'clock in the morning, he's up out of bed and he's doing what he has to to get those grapes in because he's a vine dresser and he cares. Jesus is the true vine and our father is the farmer, the winemaker. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, I, when I was studying this through, trying to put notes together, (laughs) I got to this verse And I looked at the word takes away, and I don't know if your Bible does this, but in the margin of my Bible, it says that the word takes away are actually different in the Greek. And in the Greek, it's the word lifts up. And I spent a while down in this rabbit hole trying to discern what is the Greek really saying here. And this word here that's used for the word takes away or the word lift up, it's actually used 102 times in the New Testament in 98 different verses. And the vast, overwhelming majority of the time that this word is translated, it's translated as lifts up. So I'm not quite sure why it reads this way in the English. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Again, you you see that God is interested in fruit bearing. He's interested in your life producing something valuable. God didn't create you without a purpose. God didn't put you in this planet so that you could just breathe up oxygen and take up space and just hang out until Jesus comes back. God wants to see you produce for his kingdom. He wants to see some fruit come out of your life. And the the first, he gives us a few categories of branches here. The first one is a branch that doesn't bear fruit. Have you ever gone through a season of your life where you don't bear fruit? You don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise my hand for all of us. What's God's response to the branch that doesn't bear fruit? You get angry at the branch? No. He lifts it up. He repositions it so that it can bear. You see, when, when you go through times in your life where you're not abiding in him, where you're, where you're stressed out and stretched and where your attention is grabbed a hold of by 50 different other things that are competing with the voice of God in your life. When you and I go through those seasons where we're, where we're not studying the Bible every day, where we're not taking time to read, where we're not taking time to pray and be in the presence of the Lord, when we're not abiding in the vine, what does the Father do? He lifts us up to put us into a different position so that we can bear fruit. Some of the modern translations of this verse say stuff like he cuts off 
or tears off. That's not the character of our God. When you're not bearing fruit, he doesn't cut you off. He lifts you up out of the soil so that you can get the sunlight you need so that you can start to bear some fruit. Because he loves you and he loves the harvest that comes out of your life. Y'all with me still? Hope this is helpful. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Ugh. I don't like that verse. You know what it means to prune? To cut. You see, there's some cutting that God does, but it's never to cut you off. Amen. There's some cutting that the Lord does. It's never to cut you off and cut you out. It's to, it's to go to things in your life that are sucking the life out of you and cut those parts off. I, uh, I planted some tomatoes. I've been planting tomatoes now for a number of years at our house. And one year in particular, I had some tomato plants that the sucker vines were really bad. I mean, anybody plant things and know what a sucker vine is? When you, when you have a tomato plant, and I'm, it, I know it's the same with grapes, the main stalk grows up and you got all these different branches that shoot off of the tomato plant. And right at the place where the, where the, the branch connects to the main vine, there's usually two little sprouts called sucker vines. And if you don't prune those two little sprouts... You will suck the life out of the branch, which is where the tomato is supposed to grow. Nothing ever grows on the sucker vines. Nothing. Ever. I remember going through my tomato plants was a couple years ago, and I'm like, man, the sucker vines are bad this year. I don't know if it was the type of tomatoes I was trying to grow or what, but I was like, man, these three things are everywhere. And I'm going there pinching them off. Pinching them off, grabbing them, pinching them off, and pulling off all these little suckers. Why? Because I want the fruit. I want the tomato. And I know that the sucker vine never produces a thing. All it does is it exists to draw nutrition away from the branch and spoil the chance for a harvest. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit... Those are the ones that are down by the soil that can't see the sunlight. What does God do? He lifts those up and he ties them so that they get a chance to produce. And then the ones that are producing, he goes and looks for the sucker vines in your life and says, what's sucking the life out of my child? What is drawing nutrition away from this branch? And he prunes it off. You never need to fear the pruning of the Lord. Though it may cost you your comfort, though it may cost you something that you think is important, never fear the pruning of the Lord. 
So why the heck am I talking about all this? Because it's the start of a new year and we have an opportunity today to go deeper with the Lord and to move forward in the things of God. Because there's a vision that I'm about to tell you about in a few weeks on February 5th that's going to require us to go to, 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 to make God the center of our lives and to put the kingdom of God first. And I'm here to tell you that if it happens for me, I know it happens for you too. There are sucker vines in my life that I'm going, Lord, please take those away. Prune me. How does the Lord prune you? Anybody ever wondered? Does he, does he prune you through negative life experiences? Does he prune you with sickness and disease? Does he prune you through strife? How about anxiety and depression? Is depression the pruning of the Lord? <laughs> kind of sounds stupid to say it that way, but is, is, is that how God purifies and prunes our life? Look at the very next verse. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. What does he mean by clean? He just got done talking about pruning. He means, he's talking to the disciples. He said, you guys, you've already been pruned by the word which I've spoken to you. What prunes your life? This right here. This right here. You're already clean because the word which I have spoken, I'm telling you, when you get to a place in your life, I know this from experience. I know this as well as I know my own name. <laughs> when you get to a place in your life where you feel utterly dry, utterly disconnected, where you feel as far from God as you possibly have ever felt in your life, what is it that's going to bring me back? What is it that's going to bring me back into fellowship with the Lord Almighty? It's this word right here. We go back, we return over and over and over again to this living word. And as I invest myself in this living word, it goes to work in me and starts to all the little sucker vines, all the little things that the enemy's trying to do in my life that are going to spoil the fruit. And the word of God goes, eh, nope. See that attitude? Let's get rid of that attitude. That's a fruit robber. Well, see that little bit of strife with your kids? Let's cut that out. That's a fruit robber. Oh, see this? Uh, look, this is, this, is, this is time not invested in the word of God. This is a distraction over here. Let's, let's cut that out. You see this relationship over here? This isn't taking you into the things of God. Let me cut it out. It's the word that'll do that. And you'll get to be like these disciples were in this verse where Jesus said, you're, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me, verse 4. We'll finish in just a minute. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. What does he mean by that? Have, have, you, ever, have you ever seen a branch growing something 
that wasn't connected to the vine? What, what happens when you cut a branch off of a tree? It's not a trick question. It dies, right? I got these trees in front of my house. They're uh, Bradford pear trees. They're, yeah, somebody has experience with those. Ooh. They're awesome for about one week a year. They put out these glorious flowers, bright white flowers that look, you drive past them in the springtime, it looks like they're covered in snow. They're beautiful. And then for the other 51 weeks a year, they're awful. They are some of the worst for sucker vines. In fact, what happens is when the sucker vines on a Bradford pear tree get, get to where they've grown unhindered or nobody's pruned the tree, you know what happens? It grows to be about 40 feet tall, but the, but the trunk of the tree, the base only gets to be about four feet tall. And what happens is the, the, the weight of the tree gets so substantial that a, a real strong, brisk bit of wind will knock the whole thing over. When the sucker vines go uncontrolled for long enough and the tree gets so puffed up, all it takes is a little gust of wind to break the whole thing. If you were to take one of those Bradford pears when it's right in the middle of that one week where it's just really pretty and cut it off and take all those flowers attached to that branch, how long do you think that branch would last? Not long. Why? Because it's been disconnected from the vine. It's been disconnected from its source of life. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. What a statement. What a statement. I would encourage you today, when you leave and go home, go look at a plant near your house. Go look at a tree. Go look at a bush. Go look at something. And, and look at that one spot on that plant where the branch is connected to the main trunk of the tree or the branch is connected to the main vine. And look and see how seamlessly they connect. That's what Jesus wants for you. That you and I seamlessly connect and integrate with one another. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Can I tell you what happens when we try to bear fruit without being connected to the vine. We burn out. We get dry. We get brittle. We get crackly and crispy and crunchy. <laughs> like a leaf when it falls off the tree in fall and you, and you go out of your way because it's a particularly crunchy looking leaf to step on it. Y'all know how well a leaf crunches when it's real dry? What happened to that leaf? It, it got disconnected from its source. 
And, and friends, when we try to do ministry, when we try to do life, when we try to walk with, with uh, the, our families and our marriages, our spouses, our kids, our jobs, when we try to do the things we try to do in life, disconnected from our source of life, we get brittle, we get crunchy, we get to the point that all it takes is a good gust of wind to totally knock us off course. A leaf that falls off the tree no longer has a purpose. Let me say it again. A leaf that falls off the tree no longer has a purpose. It's just going to blow wherever the wind wants it to. My encouragement to us this year, this week, in the coming weeks, my encouragement to us is that we make the intentional choice to abide in God. And again, let me say this in a way that doesn't make it sound weird, okay? When I say abide in God, I'm not talking about you have to spend six hours in prayer every morning. You have to get up at 3 a.m. You have to, you know, like I said, put on soft piano music. Nothing wrong with soft piano music, by the way. We, we have this, especially in our in charismatic church, you know, we have, these, we have these different routines that we think are gospel truth. Like, okay, if you're going to seek God, you got to do this. Well, maybe not. Here's my encouragement to you. That the voice of God and the word of God become the dominating influence in your life. It's a new year. It's a new opportunity. It's a new day. Shoot, it's a new minute. <laughs> it's, it's a new hour. You know you're different than you were an hour ago. Why? Because you're in a new moment now. You're in a new hour Maybe you didn't seek the Lord with all your heart this morning while you were brushing your teeth. Okay, it's in the past. Let's start now. Now I'm going to abide in the vine. Okay, now I want to abide with God. What about five hours from now? Make the decision again. You know what? I'm going to abide in God. I'm going to let the voice of the Lord and the word of the Lord become the dominating influence in my life all the days of my life. It's not weird. It's not metaphysical. It's not strange. It's actually super practical. What if I just put God first in everything? And as, as frequently as I can remember and as frequently as I can remind myself to stop and put God first, to stop and listen, Lord, am I abiding in you right now? Go ahead, ask him that question. You can ask him that. He's not intimidated. Lord, am I abiding in you this morning? Lord, is my heart hungry for you right now? Lord, am I, am I closer to you than I was this time yesterday? And if I'm not, help me, Lord. Draw me, draw me close to you. Never let me go. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. 
If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.